This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Prior to last week, I had been in this conversation a new heart. And we had been exploring the book of Ezekiel, and we had been walking through and talking about several different things. And one conversation that we had was a conversation about God telling Ezekiel that he was a watchman. And that he's a watchman over not only the righteous, but he's a watchman over the unrighteous. And he put just as big of an emphasis on one as he did the other. And uh, God told Ezekiel, if the unrighteous people, if they stumble over their sin because you've not tried to stop them, then their blood's on your hands. And in the same way, he said, if the righteous person stumbles over a stumbling block and you don't help them through, you don't bring them back to where they once were, then all of the righteousness that was gone before, everything good they ever did doesn't really matter anymore, and it's on you. So we, we heard that instruction uh, during that conversation where Ezekiel was placed at a point that he was to be a watchman. And then we talked about the people of Jerusalem and we talked about how they had, uh, God took Ezekiel in a vision through the temple and he showed him the idols. And we talked about all the different things right off the bat when you walked through the first gate, there was something that was stopping God from getting into the temple. And we went in and every layer that was peeled back, we talked about, it's kind of like an onion and every layer from the outer all the way to the inner, there was something taking place where worship was taking place other than to God. And we examined our life and we looked at our life and figured out what exactly is it, Lord, that's keeping you from dwelling in this temple to the fullness and the way that you desire to do that. And so today, I want to talk to you a little more about the idea of the watchman, but more specifically about the thought, open your mouth. Open your mouth. And if you'll turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 24, I want to read verses 25 through 27. I'll give you a second to get there. You know that God has already, we've read it in one of our other passages, that God told Ezekiel, I'm going to send you to your house, I'm going to tie you up, I'm going to bound you up. Your tongue is going to be stuck to the roof of your mouth and you're going to be made mute. You're not going to be able to deliver the word. And so that's where we are in this series of conversations here now as Ezekiel's telling us exactly what's going on and it picks up in chapter 24 and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, on the day I take away their stronghold, their joy, their glory, their heart's desire, their dearest treasure, I will also take away their sons and daughters. But on that day, a survivor from Jerusalem will come to you in Babylon and tell you what has happened. When he arrives, your voice will suddenly return so you can talk to him, and you will be a symbol for these people, and they will know that I am the Lord. And then this actually picks up in chapter 33 where Ezekiel is approached by the survivor. It gives us the date, and it says, while the people were still in captivity, there was one escapee, there was one survivor, almost like a savior, if you will, that came to Ezekiel, and he ran up, and he was able to make it out of the city, and he made it, and he said, this is what's taking place. The people are struggling. The people are bound. They're, they're, the destruction has happened. They're, they're uh, destroying everything that's taking place. God is bringing destruction on the people. And it just so happened that the night before this person showed up, the word says that the Lord came to Ezekiel and opened his mouth so that he may speak. He opened his mouth so that he could speak. We see God making a difference. It's interesting to me that it's right before the, the challenge, right before the struggle comes, that God gives Ezekiel the ability to do what he's been called to do. You missed it. It's interesting to me that right before the challenge shows up, God gave Ezekiel the ability to do what he had been created and called to do. 
He knew he was mute. He knew he was going to struggle. God prophesied, God showed Ezekiel back in chapter 3, early in this, this process, early in this ministry of Ezekiel, you're going to be made mute. You're not going to be able to speak. And so now here he is mute and he can't speak. And God said, all throughout the, the book, we've seen over and over and over, you've got to tell the people, you've got to tell the people, you've got to tell the people. I would have to be standing back at some point and say, God, I can't talk. You're giving me something to do, but you won't even let me do it. You're giving me all these instructions. You've prepared me. You've equipped me. You're, you're telling me what it is. You've given me very specific details about what I'm supposed to tell these people. You're giving me instruction on what happens to me if I don't tell these people. Yet here I stand, and you won't give me my mouthpiece back. But God didn't fail. Because the night before... This one survivor shows up. Ezekiel received his voice back. And so the thought really started coming to me, and it's a very simple, not even a, a real deep thing today. It's real simple. Who is it that God's put before us that he already has opened our mouth and give us the ability to speak Yet we're the one closing it. Who is it that he's prepared for us? Who is it? I believe that the Holy Spirit's working like this escapee. The Holy Spirit's working like this survivor, like this savior, if you will. Because he really was. Because the, the crowd is going to be destroyed. The crowd's going to die out. They're going to die in their, their iniquity, their idol worship. They're going to die in their sin. And here this one person makes it out, and he's the messenger, the, the messenger making it to Ezekiel. And he says, hey, you got to come help us. And I thought about what, you know, the Holy Spirit daily leads us to people and is a messenger to you and I on behalf of somebody that's struggling. And are we really listening to the Holy Spirit's words? Are we really tuning in? Are we really focused? Are we beeline on what the words that are coming from him? The, what exactly is it, Lord, you want from me? Are we waiting on him or are we responding to the messenger? I would have to say that you and I live in a world, we live in a society, we're surrounded by people that are captive. People that are stuck in bondage, people that are hurt, people that are struggling, people that need life spoken into them. Amen? Ezekiel said, my mouth was open and I was no longer mute. If he was going to go and speak the words he was supposed to speak, take free will out of this operation, okay? Ezekiel has a choice. You have a choice where you go eat lunch today. You had a choice whether you got up early enough to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen? I had a choice whether I was going to come stand in the pulpit. It would not have been good if I didn't, but I had a choice. Right? And so Ezekiel had a choice when the Lord opened his mouth. Am I going to prophesy? Am I going to speak? Am I going to tell exactly what it is that the Lord wants me to do? I know he had a choice because if he hadn't had a choice, there'd have been no reason for the Lord to give all of these repercussions had he not done what he was supposed to do. You with me? He said, if you don't witness to the unrighteous people, if you don't bless them, you don't tell them, hey, you're going to die in your sin. If you don't do that, their life is literally on your hands. Therefore, Ezekiel had a choice. If you don't help the righteous people, if you don't stand before them as their watchman, you don't walk the cities waving that scepter, you don't, you don't walk through the city as a watchman reaching out and trying to touch those, those righteous people and bring them back to me. If you don't choose to do that, then all the righteousness that took place, all the good that took place is gone because of you. He had a choice. And so just because God physically opened his mouth did not mean that it was going to be automatic for him to speak the word of the Lord. He had to make the choice. And so God's opened your and my mouth. 
He's given us a testimony. He's given us life. He's given us life experiences. He's given us freedom. He's given us joy. He's given us a heart of love. He has literally opened up a world of power and authority that would roll off this tongue to touch somebody. But you got to open your mouth. And Ezekiel had to make the choice. But what is it that we're called to speak? I'm sorry, I'm not a hater. It, it aggravates me. Specifically when Christian people or people that, that believe wholeheartedly they're living a Christian life speak hate. It even aggravates me when people speak hate against something that's evil. I hate evil with a passion. I hate what is evil. But it is not my place to speak hate to somebody that is bound by evil. I can speak hate to the evil, but I'm not called to speak hate to a person, period. About anything. It doesn't matter whether we get into politics. It doesn't matter whether we get into right and wrong and good and bad. I don't care what it is. I'm not called to speak hate to any person over anything in any circumstance. And it aggravates me when people that are supposed to be filled with love and filled with life can stand up and speak hate. There's a difference between speaking hate and speaking truth. We're called to speak what is true. Sometimes what is true is not going to be the popular response. Some people have had to speak some truth into my life this week that won't what I wanted them to speak into me. So truth is not going to necessarily be what I want to hear. but I'm called to speak truth. You, my friends, are called to speak truth. So what is truth? Well, the Word of God is truth. God is the light in the darkness. He's the love in the middle of hatred. He's the healing to the hurting. He's the mender to the brokenhearted. He's the freedom to the addicted. We could go on and on. There is hate in zero of those statements. But there is 100% truth in them. Amen? We're called to speak truth. I don't know of a better truth than that of the love of Jesus. The Holy Spirit acting as that Savior, acting as that survivor, that one that's coming to you and me as the messenger. See, we don't always get the privilege of knowing what somebody else is dealing with. You ever walk through a day and it'd be a bad day and you know just as good as anything in the world that everybody around you has no clue what you're dealing with. That realistically you just want to go get somewhere and curl up in a ball and break down and cry. And maybe you even do. I'm not going to say I haven't. And you really kind of just wish somebody actually could see into your heart. Because you sure enough don't want to tell them how you're struggling. You wish that as you walk by, it could be the girl at McDonald's. You just really wish somebody could see into you. Somebody could read your mail and know exactly what it is you feel. It doesn't really happen like that. I really can't tell you, but just a handful of times... That somebody's looked right at me and spoke to me where I was. And in those handful of times, I can promise you it wasn't that person. 
It was the messenger communicating with the person. They were Holy Ghost filled people walking in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, allowing God to minister to them and through them straight into my life. So how many of us have been that guy? We've been the one on the other end where we want somebody to look in and see through our eyes. We want them to look in and see really the hurt and the pain and the struggle and the aggravation and the frustration and the confusion and just help me somebody. We've been on that side. But how often do we walk in the boldness and the confidence of God to be on the other side where we're the one walking around looking into the eyes, waiting on the messenger to speak to us? We've got a choice. Lord forbid the Holy Spirit give it to you and you don't open your mouth. You think your mama beat you? I know, buddy. She sure did. I'm sorry. If we didn't beat him, he probably wouldn't be able to sit here today. You talk about a whooping. You let the Holy Spirit give you some information and you don't open your mouth with it. Worst beating you ever had was the one when God tried to give you something and you sinned because of what you didn't do. You don't have to go out and do nothing stupid to disappoint God. You don't have to go out and do something crazy to fall into a place of sin just because the Holy Spirit gave you that and you didn't open your mouth. Lord, help us. You go walk around limping for a day or two. I mean, I know. I've been there. I'm just telling you from experience. You let the Lord show you something. And you don't open your mouth with it. There's power in the words. There's power in the word. And because the same power that lives within us, there's power in our words. Open your mouth. See, James taught us to tame the tongue. I think James probably had a problem with his mouth. He even goes to the point of saying that no man can tame the tongue. That's a pretty bold statement. Because the word of God is true. And James's letter is inspired by God. And God saw fit that it be in your and my Bible. Therefore, everybody in this room falls under that category where we can't tame our tongue. Amen? So it's not just me. I have learned to shut up. I told you that. But see, I don't think James really takes the Holy Spirit authority into this teaching. Because it is absolute truth that you and I on our own, in our flesh, will not tame our tongue. The only way we will tame this tongue, that we will allow it to produce life and not produce death, the only way we will speak love and not speak hate is through the power of the Holy Spirit. When we allow God to minister to us, when we allow God to make us learn to shut up, it's not a taming of the tongue thing for me, it's just knowing when to shut my mouth. Just get quiet and be still. Don't say nothing, Mitchell. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we tame it. But then James goes on to say that that tongue can be a spark that lights a forest fire. And I know that you have experienced at some point in your life Somebody making some comment, somebody saying something, some sort of miscommunication. That's the world's worst. Lord have mercy. 
Just a miscommunication. I'll just be honest with you. We're doing things as a church body, amen? You agree? We're moving forward. We've got progress. We've got things taking place. We have to strive daily to keep our communication open because the enemy would want anything in the world to come through and break some line of communication and and mess something up and destroy what the Lord's trying to do. One little small inkling. I don't even know if that's a word. Of a miscommunicated word. Even an adjective. Something that really don't even matter. Or just because it's on a screen and not in person and it's read totally different than the way it actually was spoke out. Do you guys speak your text messages as you're saying them? Or do you read a text message and you put all kind of emotion into what somebody just sent you? Do you do that? I know people that do that. That when they read a text message, what so-and-so say, and they say it with the full emotion that that person would have said it. And I say, you got all that from the screen? You got all that from that text on the page? No, I just know what that's what they'd say. The slightest little miscommunicated word, James says, is a spark that will light a wildfire. Because that wildfire starts with a spark and it gets burned down deep inside our hearts. And we think somebody's got something against us and we think somebody's messed us up. And we're so easily offended. I don't even know where this is coming from. We're so easily offended by what somebody says that we put up a wall, we put up a block, and we don't, we're not open. We're not free anymore to the relationship. And then that one little bitty miscommunicated word has now called it's caused an offense that sparks a wildfire and everything that was trying to take place is now burned down and destroyed because of a miscommunication. We're an offendable people. Lord, help us to learn not to be offendable people. But you know I'm on this fire kick. And so when I read fire in James, I don't think about destroying and burning down and destruction because, Lord, help us. I believe we're going to be better under the power of the Holy Spirit to be better than that. So I thought, what if the same way that that miscommunicated word could burn down and destroy what God wants to do? What if? A word, just some small slight, just, hey, how are you? Under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit would be a spark that would strike and spark a wildfire that would burn. And it would begin to burn a revival in our life. It would begin to burn a revival in our communities. All because not of a miscommunicated word, but a purposefully communicated word that was gifted by the Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, that's better than you think it is. I feel it. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. The word says that death and life is in the tongue. The tongue sharper than any two-edged sword. That tells me that my tongue will pierce. If I'm using using it as a weapon... It will pierce and it will hurt. And on the flip side, if I'm using it as a weapon, I can touch heaven with my tongue. I can fight an army of demons with my tongue. I can send a devil right back to hell with my tongue. But I got to open my mouth. God's given me the ability. Ezekiel, the night before, God don't play no games. I'm sorry, he's not a mysterious God, and he don't do things in a mysterious way. I know that's a very common thing, and God moves in mysterious ways. No, he does not. If you say that, I love you wholeheartedly. And I know that that's the truth that you've been thinking. But there's nothing mysterious about the way God moves. 
He moves on purpose. He moves intentional. Your mind, my mind is so small, we don't comprehend. But we, we know by the word that his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are there are higher than our thoughts. So it's going to be mysterious to us, but he is not moving in a mysterious way. He is very much so on purpose. And it was not accidental. It was not but mysteriously. It was not by chance. It won't by luck that Ezekiel had his mouth open back up the night before the challenge was coming, the night before the messenger was coming saying, hey, these people need you to go speak some truth. And it's not been accidental that you and I are placed right in the middle of this time in history where we are in the middle of identity crisis. We are in the middle of our young people killing off each other and killing off themselves. And we got adults that don't want to live life anymore and they're, they're, they're just broke down and disgusted and destroyed. Marriages and families are falling apart. People are addicted. They're in bondage in all these different ways. It's not accidental that you and I are right here in this point in time in history. Man, I didn't preach last week and I can tell. It's not by happen chance. You've been gifted. You've been given your mouth for right now, for tomorrow, for the day. You have to take on tomorrow. The people you have to encounter, the people you get to look in the eye. I'm going to look you in the eye. I can't, I'm, I don't, I know there's people that just can't look people in the eye for maybe some reason or another, but Plenty of people that can't look you in the eye because they got something to hide or they're not telling you the truth. I get to look people in the eye. My eye doctor shows me this crazy, crazy stuff sometimes. He's a Christian guy. It's a Christian practice, and they take this crazy picture. I think they just really want your money because insurance, of course, doesn't cover it. But I'm like, yeah, give me that picture. That's cool. And he can see through and on the back side of your eye, and maybe you get this picture, I don't know. They make me feel like it's special to me, but they make me sit in front of this machine and push my face in. And they show you the optic nerve going through. You ever seen your optic nerve? And that nerve connects to the brain. And then there's that brain, that nerve also continues on down, and you can find how the whole nervous system connects, and it connects to your heart and he looked at me, he said, see, your eyes really are the window to your soul. I was like, dude, you're the eye doctor, just keep checking my eyes. But it really is an amazing thing to know that with a camera, we can look into somebody's eye, you can, they put my and they can see nerves, blood vessels. You can even see the image transmission. I was amazed. He showed me one day, he said, you see that little, that little spark right there? I said, yeah, he said, that's what you saw going to your brain. I said, you're kidding. Said, no. He said, that's your nerve sending the, the image trans, transmission to your brain. He said, we can see what you see, and we can see it go to your brain. So if he can do that with modern day science and technology, why can't you and I, by the power and authority of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, look into somebody's eyes and see their soul? Only because we don't do it. There's nothing stopping us from doing that. Are we going to see everybody? Are we going to see every struggle? No. It's not meant for us to. But if we don't intentionally look for it, we're sure to never see it. Micah started laughing at me. Because when I pull up to a drive-thru, I'm probably not going to get the girl's name, but it's just regular now for me. I go, how you doing today, girl? And they're like, kind of start laughing. And Micah's over there rolling in the passenger seat. And I'm like, are they laughing at me or you? She said, I don't know, because I'm over here laughing at you. And there's nothing special about a how are you doing today. 
I mean, I'm a little crazy when I say it, but we've already established the fact I'm a little crazy. But I know something that she don't know. Not Micah, but the girl in the, the window. Lord bless us if Micah don't know this. But my hey, how are you? Probably was not like the one she got before me if she got one before me. Because even though it may have sounded crazy and even though I may have been goofing off, whatever, it was intentional. Even if I'm mad at the world having a bad day, I still go through that drive through and I still intentionally say it to the very best of my, my ability in some way, shape, or form that's exciting and makes her smile. Him, normally it's not a him because guys can't multitask as well as women can, so they don't put guys at the drive through most of the time. Just in case you didn't know. Science has actually proved there is no such thing as multitasking. It's switch tasking. Anyway, ladies, back to my story. When I give that, hey, how are you? What she doesn't know is that my, hey, how are you? was a very unique, gifted, powerful, anointed by the Holy Ghost. Hey, how are you doing? Are you looking at me like I'm crazy? Maybe you don't serve the same God I serve. I do my very best to walk in the authority of God and I do my very best to walk the steps that he's placed before me and the steps he's ordered before me. And I believe wholeheartedly that my intentional words that come out of my mouth, I'm not talking about the idle words that you and I are going to be accounted for the day of judgment. I'm scared of that. That's a scary thought. That don't mean that all those times we cuss somebody out and we put somebody down. That ain't even doing That's idle words I'm talking about. Words that were useless, that didn't build somebody up. It didn't have to tear somebody down. It just didn't build somebody up. It won't life-giving. It won't good. Thank you, Lord, for grace for the idle words. But my hey, how are you is on purpose. It's intentional to some way, shape, or form change that girl's day. It may not change her life. It may not ever make it so she ever even thinks a thing about Jesus. It may mean that she has to go back home to some broke down, busted, disgusted, messed up situation. I have no clue. But I know the words that come out of my mouth were intentional. Therefore, they had to be anointed. They had to be gifted by God to speak life into her. I'm not talking about preaching the gospel. I'm not talking about quoting Acts 2 to somebody. I'm talking about just a gifted, intentional, how are you doing? I had a conversation with a pastor friend on Thursday. I'm finishing up, I promise. And there was a little little older lady that sat down. We were at a restaurant eating breakfast, and there was a little older lady that sat down behind me. He said, make sure she ain't going to fall. So I made sure she was okay. And he said, how are you doing today? And she said, I'm fine, thanks. Hope you are. He said, you ever heard that before? I said, yeah. He said, well, that's a very distinct phrase to this area. I'm fine, thanks, hope you are. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, why would you not say I'm fine, thanks, how are you? I said, because you don't want to know how you are. He said, exactly. And I don't have a clue where, when, why, or how. I don't know where I learned it. At some point, I was taught that phrase. I'm fine, hope you are. I don't say it. I don't know if it was a training, a business training. There was some point. I think it was dealing with like clients. I was taught that. That we were to be intentional by the way we said, I'm fine, thanks, hope you are. And I was taught that because I was not supposed to take the time to really hear how the other person was. And that pastor friend said, do you realize that it's unique to this area 
And the issue that's going on is they don't really care how the other person's doing. He said, how are we Southern hospitality friendly people and don't care to hear how the other person is? What kind of opportunity is missed, maybe not in that statement, but in that attitude? Where we don't have the time to slow down. I'm, I'm there. I'm not. I'm just right here with you. We don't have the time to slow down a minute. To say, I'm actually doing okay. But how are you doing? And if we allow the Lord to move and give us what he wants to give us, just like that escapee, that survivor, the messenger left Jerusalem to come and reach out to Ezekiel, hey, come speak truth. Come bring us what it is that we need. You've got to come help save the people. In the same way, if we will allow ourselves to let the Lord in, the Holy Spirit will come and he'll give us exactly what that person needs. You don't believe me? Try it. Now, don't open your mouth and say something crazy that you don't believe is from the Lord. That We're speaking life. Don't speak hate. Anything that you do, speaking life or love, is of God. Not, con- not condoning something wrong. That's not speaking life or love. They're speaking truth. You're speaking truth and you're doing it in life and love. I am by nature an introverted person. God used the banking industry to change my personality and to change the way that I communicate with people. God used some Almost be life and not death. Great professor to discourage and to tear apart my public communicating ability. The day that he marked up my paper and had counted how many ums and uhs and oohs that I had in my business management presentation. was a gut kick the dude was by no means speaking life maybe truth but not life but God used that situation to mentally prepare me for what he wanted to do spiritually through me and I don't know if you're keeping tabs but I hope that you've not counted but maybe one or two Oms and uhs and oohs. It's not a train thing for me. My life shifted. I don't even know where I where I'm headed or why we're going here. On February the nineteenth in two thousand and eleven, I was in an altar. My twenty-first birthday. On a Sunday morning in the Irwin Church of God, when you walk in on the right hand side. I ain't got a clue what the pastor preached about. Just like when you walk out, unless the Lord gives you some divine remembrance, you probably won't remember this on Wednesday. And that's okay. Just open your mouth. I don't care whether you remember this or not. But I remember, I've been seeking the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Terrified of the baptism of the Spirit because I'm a little bit of a control freak. Ask some of these around here, they'll tell you. The Lord's teaching me to let go of some things, but I'm a little bit of a control freak. And I'd never really understood, I had never truly been taught, first of all, 
the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I had never really been taught how it, how it really worked for me to, to speak in tongues and what that meant and what it looked like and how that it, it, the way that it takes place. Nobody had ever really explained it to me. So my knowledge, and if you're anything like me, you might think that God just takes over your body and you just start, your tongue starts flapping and you start doing all this crazy stuff and you have no control. That is completely incorrect, my friends. Let me help you right there. And one day soon, I'm going to give you a more in-depth conversation. I'll explain that a little bit better to you. But I want you to know, first and foremost, that's not right. Because this guy would have had nothing to do with it. I never fell into substance abuse because I won't lose in control of this mind. My mother-in-law was praying for me. It was over here from where you're sitting. And still I'm confused because... She's Holy Ghost filled, praying in her heavenly language, praying for me. And Lord, I just want whatever it is you got. And something just finally clicked. And I decided that day, first of all, that I would not let somebody else struggle as bad as I struggle with understanding the Holy Spirit. Because there's absolutely nothing to be afraid of. You have control of you. And so one day we'll have a conversation, and I'll explain that. But I would not let nobody else struggle with it the way I struggle with it. And I began to pray in a language that I don't have a clue what I was saying. I said it. It was my tongue. It was my vocal cords. It was even my tone. Some weird thing started bubbling up and happening, and you really can't explain it. I'll explain it better, but you really can't explain that part of it. You just, in obedience, open your mouth. And I opened mine, and God began to communicate. The Holy Spirit within me began to communicate with the Father. And it was an amazing experience. And so then I walk over, and my mama's on this side. And my mama lays her hand on my head. And she's praying in her heavenly language. And all the Holy Spirit was saying over and over, I'm running from a call, people. I do not want to go into ministry. I'm running from the calling that I know God placed on my life since I was 16 years old. My mama's praying over me and the Holy Spirit's translating. Preach, 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 preach. And from that day forward, I don't know that I really have many ums or oohs or ahs in my communication of the gospel. Not really in my communication about much. I can communicate about whatever I want to communicate. My preference is to communicate the gospel. Because I love people and I want people to go to heaven. But the gifting that God gave me that day is not limited to this desk and this appointment and this position, this role. Communicate whatever I want to communicate. People tend to listen. <laughs> because there's an anointing that will rest. In the same way that this tongue reached heaven and received that gift is the exact same tongue that stands in this pulpit and delivers the gospel. It's the exact same tongue that if I'm not careful, we'll start creeping the wrong way and i got to throw a bit back on it and bridle it in like James said. But it's the same tongue that I can use to lift my voice and I can praise my almighty creator 
It's the same voice that I can look at a guy that doesn't believe in, in God whatsoever. I don't even have a belief system and I can look at him and say, Jesus loves you, my friend. It's the same tongue I use to say, hey, girl, how you doing today? But I had to open my mouth. I believe that it was completely on purpose. Because God knew that everything that we do would revolve around words. Everything, your relationships, your job, your kids, everything we do revolves around communication. And the way that he chose to create the universe, the way he chose to put us, this world, into existence was by saying, hey, let there be light. And the second he opened his mouth, instantaneous, there was light. He said, hey, let's create the heavens and the stars. And instantly it was there. Everything we are, everything that we see was created by God opening his mouth. Not to speak death. Not to speak hatred. He spoke truth. And through the truth, he spoke love and he spoke life. You and me are in this place where Ezekiel found himself hanging out at home. I do hope that you consider this your home. And the Holy Spirit's sending a message today that said, hey, there's people that are hurting. There's people that need you. There's people that are broken. There's mamas that just need to be encouraged. There's kids that need to be told they're loved. There's people that just need to be told, hey, I have no idea how, why, when, where. But somehow, if you'll believe God for this, it's going to be okay. We got to open our mouth, family. Open our mouth. Would you bow your head? Father, I love you. God, I thank you for my ability to speak. Lord, not necessarily my ability to speak in this public communication, God, but my ability to use my, my body, the mouth that you've given me, the vocal cords, my tongue to form my words, my teeth to put things in order. Father, the lips that I have, God, I'm thankful for my ability to speak. God, my ability to communicate, my ability to, to form words. God, I'm thankful that you're the example that you've given us the perfect example when just through creation from, from the very beginning of time, we can watch all throughout history, God, you've moved. And when you've moved, you spoke things into existence. Father, you've called us to speak life to some people. You called us to speak love, to speak hope, to speak faith to some people. God, we have already accepted our position as watchmen. We've already accepted the place that you've put us, that we're called to be watchmen over the people that are around us. The unrighteous and the righteous alike. Father, you called us to be watchmen over all people, that you called every one of us to somehow, some way, to, to help people and to give people hope and a future, Lord, through you. God, but we've gone a step further and you've called us now to open our mouth. You've equipped us. You've given us everything that we need. You've given us talents. You've given us the ability to speak. God, and you've got this call on us. This appointment to use our mouth, Lord, not for bad, but for good. Father, I pray that you touch our hearts.
Holy Spirit move in us today. Father, we give ourselves to you today. We give our mouth to you. We give this tongue to you. Father, we give our words to you. God, I pray that any spoken hatred, any spoken doubt, any spoken struggle, Lord, any spoken death, Father, would be eliminated. God, that we would learn only under the authority of the Holy Spirit to tame that tongue. God, that we would no longer speak the things that are downcast, Father, but we speak things that are uplifting. Holy Spirit, give us the authority today. Gift us with the authority to tame our tongue, to speak life. God, I pray that you would send each one of us a special person. God, that the Holy Spirit would minister to each one of us and Holy Spirit, you would communicate with us in a way that we would understand what it is that we're supposed to speak into somebody's life. God, and I pray for the boldness and the courage that when that communication has taken place and we know what we're supposed to speak, that we walk in obedience and open our mouth. Father, we understand that a spark of a fire can spark a wildfire. Father, in each one of us in this room, if we each begin to speak words of life, words that are gifted by you, Lord, we could set a fire so big that it could be seen from heaven. Lord, give us the boldness, the courage to open our mouth. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.